0: Genesis chapter 50, this today um, is going to be different, and I know I say that almost every Sunday, it's a different kind of sermon, but uh, I've been preaching a lot more shorter encouraging messages, today may be a little bit more teaching, um, and I'm going to warn you from the offset, I may go a little bit longer today than normal, now everybody can breathe, um normally I try to shoot for around 30 minutes. So I'm not I'm going to try not to go too much longer than that. But this is a heavy topic that I want to preach on for just a few minutes and I believe I have felt this for almost a month now to preach this today specifically. And I don't think that it's a coincidence that those of you who have joined us this morning if this is your first time, I don't think that it's a coincidence that today you have joined us. I believe that God is wanting to speak to us and to all of our members as well. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 15 says, And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us. Well, I'd say if anybody had the right to hate anybody, it'd probably be Joseph hating his brothers. But... You know, we don't have the right to hate anybody, right? I'm just saying if anybody did, it'd probably be him. They, they were concerned about this. They were worried about that. If you don't know the story of Joseph, don't worry. We'll, we'll be digging into it today. But verse 16, they sent a messenger to Joseph. They were so afraid. It said, thy father did command before he died, saying, so shall ye say unto Joseph, forgive, I pray thee now. The trespasses of thy brethren and their sin, for they did eat unto the evil, and now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of the Father of thy father. Now I'm not sure if this particular passage of scripture is true. I'm not sure if they were actually telling the truth, and Jacob uh, did intend to tell Joseph this. But it probably wasn't coming from the right source anyhow. It's like me coming to you and saying, you know, God told me to tell you, you need to forgive me. (laughs) Probably wouldn't go over too well. But anyhow, that's what they did. Joseph, this affected him so much that the Bible says he wept when they spake to him. Verse 18, and his brethren also went and fell down before his face. They bowed down before him. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I, or rather, am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. Praise God. Again, I come to you with a heavy heart. This message has been sitting heavy for weeks now on my heart. I want to preach to you for a little while on the double-sided coin of destiny. The double-sided coin of destiny. If we could lay down our Bibles and let's talk to the Lord one more time before we are seated. Lord Jesus, we hear your voice. We've felt your presence. We know that you are here, that you're trying to reach us. You're wanting to speak to us. Lord, I give myself to you. I pray that you would help me to say only what you want me to say, nothing more and nothing less. I give my heart and my mind to you. Use me, Lord, according to your will. I pray that you would prepare Prepare the hearts, if you have not already, prepared every heart that is in this place to receive your word in this house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you, Lord. Have thine own way in this place. Oh, I feel like something good is in this house here today. I feel like the Lord is going to talk to somebody. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. In this passage of Scripture, we see Joseph, who is now an older gentleman. He is uh, believed to be around 40 years old, uh, close to 40 years old at this point. I'd say that's not really old, but he, he's uh, uh, older than when his story first started out. We first find Joseph and his destiny when he was 17 years old. He did something that is, to be truthful, a liability. Something that set him up for persecution, harm, anger, jealousy, and that is Joseph had a dream. The Bible says in Genesis 37 and 5, And Joseph dreamed a dream. And when he told it to his brethren, they hated him yet the more. They had already grown to dislike Joseph because of the favor he had from Jacob being the only son of Rebekah. And so he had Jacob's favor. Jacob gave him A a coat of many colors, and the brothers didn't like that. They recognized something was different about Joseph. And then, to make things worse, Joseph got a dream. Oh, praise God, if we could just get a dream here today. Hallelujah. Joseph's dream, or his destiny manifesting itself, if you will, it contained first his brothers and him holding sheaves. And his brother's sheaves began to bow down to his. Of course, Joseph was excited about this dream. You ever gotten a vision or a plan or God spoke to you about something and you got excited and you wanted to tell the whole world? Hallelujah. Look what the Lord is doing in me. Look what God is about to do. Look at my destiny. Praise God. Well, it probably wasn't wise for him to go and tell his brothers, hey, one day you're going to bow before me. (laughs) So they hated him even the more. And then he had a second dream, this dream, the sun and the moon. The stars also made obeisance to Joseph, or in other words, they submitted themselves, they humbled themselves, or bowed down to Joseph, being an example of not just his brothers, but also his father and his mother bowing down. Even Jacob disliked this dream. <laughs> Even Jacob told him, You're ridiculous. This is never going to happen. But Joseph, man, you know, when you really get a dream and you really get a a vision for where you're heading, it can sometimes make you a little crazy. And you can do stuff that's unwise and prideful and arrogant. Am I right? Am I the only one who's stepped out a little far and put my foot in my mouth a little too much? Praise God. And Joseph, he continually did this, but he was excited. He had a destiny, a dream, a higher purpose. Hallelujah. And he just wanted everybody to know about it. He was so excited. It became and formed the very essence of who he was. These dreams I can imagine just constantly inhabited his minds. Every time he looked at his brothers, he saw those she's bowing down. He looked at his mother and his father. He saw the sun and moon and stars giving obeisance. He began to be shapen by this destiny that he was about to have. His brothers one day went out to take care of the flock. Jacob was a little suspicious of his brothers who had gotten into some trouble. Jacob decided, you know what, let me send the good one, Joseph, the called one, the one with a destiny, the one with a purpose, the one with God's plan. Let me send him to go spy on his brothers and make sure they're not doing anything bad. Uh, So this fed in to Joseph's already rising ego, right? Joseph, who was the youngest of the brothers besides his own brother Benjamin, he began to skip along the road. I imagine in his mind this was the first step to his brothers bowing down before him. He thought, look, I'm going to go and I'm going to catch them doing something really bad. I'm going to take that message to my dad, and all of a sudden, I'll be the holy one and the righteous one and the one with purpose and destiny. This is the first step of my destiny. I feel like that may have been on in his mind. I feel like I can you see Joseph skipping down the road with that dream in mind, singing on my way to my destiny? Hallelujah. On my way. To my destiny. And then he came across a man. He got a little lost. Didn't know where his brothers was. Came across a man. He said, you know, I know this is probably random. And the chances of you knowing my brothers are slim. But have you seen my brothers? The man did, in fact. He came across this man and he said, your brothers went to Dotham. Dotham. Joseph's eyes lit up. Look at this. This random man is sending me on the next part of my destiny. I just see his eyes glowing destiny. Isn't that how we get? We got this plan, this purpose. We're going to change the world and every little thing that happens. Destiny. I'm on my way to destiny. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But we got to recognize that just because we are on our way to destiny doesn't mean that people are going to support it. And as Joseph, who was, in fact, on his way to destiny, just not in the way that he thought of, as he walked and got closer to his brothers, his brothers began to scheme in their heart and said, Look, here comes the dreamer. Oh, gee. They began to say, here comes the dreamer. Their hearts were filled with jealousy and anger. Can I tell you that dreams, destiny, when you want to do anything for God, you better be prepared to face persecution and jealousy and anger from other people. Can I tell you that persecution and jealousy and anger is just as much of a part of our destiny as the dream is. Is this all right here today? Come on, did you think that path was just going to be so simple and easy you were just going to glide on into destiny? Oh, praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Joseph thought it was. He was flying on a cloud coming to destiny. And what he found instead of destiny was a pit. His brother said, let's throw him in a pit. At first, that wasn't going to break his spirit. He thought, oh, come on, guys. Let's stop playing around. Get me out of this pit. Well, they didn't. He went for hours. Nope, they didn't get him out. This isn't funny anymore, guys. I'm on my way to destiny. Get me out of this pit. But what you don't realize, Joseph, is your destiny has led you to the pit. Oh, Jesus, hallelujah. What you don't realize, Joseph, is that your destiny led you to the pit. You're not being removed from that process You're right where you're supposed to be. Can I minister to somebody's heart right now? I don't know where you are, but the fact that you're in church, you may walk out there later today, and you're going to have to face the hardships of this world. Maybe your whole life is falling apart, but it led you to be in the church. Let me tell you, you are right where you're supposed to be. God. That pit was Joseph's destiny. And when they took Joseph out of that pit and sold him to some Egyptians That was just as much part of Joseph's destiny as the coat of many colors was. And when he was wrongfully accused by Potiphar's wife, claiming that he had forced himself on her when he did not, that was just as much a part of his destiny as the dreams were. And when he sat in prison serving a term for something he did not do for two years In another dark pit that was just as much a part of his destiny as all of the other things were. Because hear me today, there's not just one side of the coin of destiny, but there's two sides of it. And just as much as the good can lead you to your destiny, the bad can as well. If you believe that, would you clap your hands to the Lord and say, let it be so. You see, the bad side of the coin led Joseph to a place the good side could not. The... Oh, oh, The pit led him to a part of his destiny that the coat could not. The false accusations led him to his destiny where the dreams could not. But if it had not been for the pit, then he never would have been put into Potiphar's house. And if it had not been for the accusations, he never would have been put into the prison cells. And because he was in the prison, he was able to interpret two men's dreams. One of which was the cupbearer of Pharaoh. And if it had not been for the prison and interpreting those dreams, he never would have been called upon by Pharaoh to interpret the dream that Pharaoh had. If he had not been in the pit, he would not have been in a position to oversee the distribution of grain to help people who are in the famine, if he had not been falsely accused, his brothers would have died in the famine. His brothers, his family... All of the ones who did them wrong, they would have died. Potiphar's wife would have died. All of them would have died if they had not filled the position that God had them in to fulfill the destiny Joseph was on. Oh, Jesus. Now, I'm not saying you have an excuse to be nasty and mean to people now. Praise God. But what I'm saying is, is all those, all those false accusations against you, all of those harsh words, and the people who have risen up, hallelujah, to fight against you at work and in your family, hallelujah, these are just simply instruments of the Lord to get you on the path of your destiny. And if I may emphasize this point, the good and the bad is essential for destiny. Just as a battery needs the positive and the negative. The good, if your life was filled with good, I challenge to say you would not be sitting here today. Am I right? Because if all things are good, I'd imagine... I'd probably live on my couch. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> Hallelujah, the apathy. You'd be so comfortable, you'd never have a reason to have to get up and work and do something with your life. That's what the good brings alone. But there's a double side to that. When the bad comes along, and I want to be sensitive on this note because I know there's some people in 2022 or 21, rather, where you saw a lot of bad. But let me tell you that bad was essential to get you into the destiny that God has brought you to. Let's read Psalms 23. I love this. Psalm 23. Everybody knows this verse of Scripture. We can all quote it, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. I don't think He'd have to make me. (laughs) He leadeth me. Here we go. We're on a path here. He's leading me beside still waters. Everything is so good in my life. Everything is so loving. I've got plenty of food. I've got plenty of water, nourishment. Everything's going well. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths. Everybody say path. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We admit this begins to change and turn a corner because this passage of Scripture, he leadeth me up. down paths of righteousness, it's not actually talking about a positive path, but actually a path of persecution. Wait, we were just walking besides the the still waters. We were just taking a nap in the green pastures. Yay, though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. Can I tell you, the valley of the shadow of death is just as much a part of the path of Destiny as the still waters is. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. The valley of the shadow of death is just as much a part of your destiny as the green grass. Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. This is an implication. It's not an if. It's a when. Because every path, every destiny, it involves some amount of darkness. I, I, I know you want to come to church and you wanted to be uplifted and you wanted to walk out of here believing that God was never, ever going to let you have a splinter in your life. Hallelujah. I'm not here to preach to you about that. I'm here to preach and say the path for your destiny involves good and bad. But this is the assurance that we have. I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Even though I walk beside the still waters, you're leading me. When I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, you're leading me. God will lead you just as much into the valley of the shadow of death as he will beside the still waters. Jesus went and fasted 40 days in the wilderness. The Bible says the Spirit led him into the wilderness. He was tempted of the devil, and that's what the Bible says. That says he led him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. God, why am I being tempted? Did I do something wrong? Am I an evil person? Is that why I'm being punished? I lost my job. Does that mean that, God, you hate me? God says, Listen. This is just one stop on the pathway to your destiny. The valley of the shadow of death has no bearing on your destiny. And whether or not I love you and am with you, because if you take a moment, you'll feel the rod and the staff as I guide you and walk you through the pathways which you cannot see in because I am with you. Praise God. Would you stand to your feet right now and begin to thank the Lord and say, God, you are with me. I feel your rod. I feel your staff. I know you're with me. You just stay standing for just a moment. Look at this. Verse 5. Thou preparest. A table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You know what he's trying to say here? He's trying to say that even in the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord still prepares and the Lord still builds and the Lord still helps. And even in the midst of hardship, the Lord will provide. And even in the midst of hardship, the Lord will heal. Hallelujah. He's preparing a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Look at this next passage. This is incredible. Look at this. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. All. Everybody say all. All the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. That all does not skip days. Well, I'm by the still waters. God is with me. Goodness and mercy. Oh, oh, oh. Valley of the shadow of death. No more goodness and mercy. In the midst of the valley, you have goodness. In the midst of the darkness, you have mercy. Hallelujah, because it's just a part of your destiny. Hallelujah, but goodness and mercy shall follow you all of the days of your life. Somebody thank the Lord right now. Somebody praise him for a moment. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm sorry, I just crushed all of your hopes that I was ending. But don't worry, I got a lot more. And it's good. You don't want to miss this. It's not good because I put it together, it's good because he put it together. Paul, known at that time as Saul, on his way to Damascus to persecute the church. A great light knocks him off of his camel, and he cannot see, but he hears the voice of Jesus. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? We know the story of Saul. Saul eventually became Paul. But before that, God spoke to a man named Ananias to go and pray for Saul. In Acts chapter 9, verse 15, I want you to hear this. He says, the Lord said unto me, go thy way. For he, Saul, is a chosen vessel unto me. To bear my name before the Gentiles. Look at this. And kings and the children of Israel. That's what I call destiny. Don't put that on yet. Take that off. Hurry before anybody else reads it. <laughs> Thank you. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's a chosen vessel. He's going to bring to preach to gentiles. He's going to preach to the children of Israel. He's even going to preach to kings. Talk about a destiny. A calling. Hallelujah, God's going to do something great in you, Saul. He's going to even bring you before kings to preach to them. Well, Saul, he quickly became Paul, began to preach over and over again. But everywhere he went, he saw many good things. But can I tell you, he also saw many bad things. Several times he was stoned to the point of death, and God revived him back. Several times he was shipwrecked, he was accused, he was blasphemed, he was pushed out of the city, he was completely just, just pushed out, and, and, and nobody would be willing to talk to him anymore. He was completely silenced. But yes, he saw some of the greatest revival, and he preached to basically the whole known world at that time. Because he recognized that there is a double side to the coin of destiny. Hallelujah. All right, you can go ahead and put up the next verse of Scripture. So look at this. Destiny, preaching to Gentiles, preaching to the children of Israel, preaching to kings. But the next verse says this. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. It's a double side to that coin. Paul's with a gathering of believers. A man who is anointed with the gifts of the Spirit begins to prophesy. He grabs Paul's cloak and he says, Whoever's cloak this is, the Romans are going to arrest him and he's going to be imprisoned. Paul says, Well, that's my coat. Uh-oh. So now you've got a man who's prophesying that he's going to preach to kings and you've got another man that's prophesying that he's going to be arrested. Both are right. Because they're both part of the double-sided coin of destiny. Paul didn't allow that to stop him. He still went to Jerusalem. And while he was in Jerusalem, he was falsely accused and he was arrested. Can I tell you that the only reason that Paul ever stood before kings, which it is believed he preached before several kings, the only way he could fulfill that destiny was in chains. The only way He was going to stand before kings as if he was in chains as a prisoner. You know that many of the letters that you read in the New Testament he wrote from a jail cell? Paul, look at you. You evangelized the known world. Now you're stuck in a cage for years. Paul says, I'm fulfilling my destiny just as much in this cage as I was out there on the streets. Hallelujah. Can I tell you that your current state of affairs, it does not mean you're outside of the will of God necessarily. It just simply means that you're on the bad side of the coin of destiny. But this is why this all makes sense. This is why this is even a topic of conversation today. It's because God often shows us our destiny, but he rarely shows us the path on what it's going to take to get there. I once had a friend. She was a little arrogant at the time. God really humbled her. But she told me, She said, I know exactly where I will be in 20 years. I said, well, that's great. I said, but, you know, you don't know how you're going to get there. She said, no, God has shown me every step on where I'm going to be until I get there. I said, all right, we'll see. I hope she was right. Turns out not a single one of those steps came true. (laughs) But you know what? 20 years later, she was exactly where God told her. Today, just because the steps don't look like the right steps and you feel like you're going backwards instead of forwards, that doesn't mean that you're not on the right path of destiny. Praise God. Because here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 23. And we know that all things, everybody say all things, work together The good and the bad. All things work together for the ultimate good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. The good and the bad, it's a culmination of the both, which puts us in the right path. And causes us to be in the ultimate good plan and will of God. This is why this is different, because we have to recognize that my destiny is not, in fact, my destiny. It is his destiny. And it is not, in fact, my plan. You can make a 20-year plan. Anybody's ever done like a 5-year, 10-year plan? And then you you know went back 10 years later, you found that piece of paper, and you're oh, look at that cute kid. <laughs> I've done it. it's because my plan doesn't necessarily mean it's God's plan. Hallelujah. And if we could just tap in to the plan and will of God, maybe we'd be able to understand the coin a little bit better. And we'd be able to know that all the good it's kept me on the right path but all the bad has also kept me on the right path. It's because it's not my destiny. I am called according to His purpose. I'm called according to His destiny. I'm called according to His plan. And if it's His plan, that means I'm out of control. And I gotta just trust in the Lord even in the bad because it's not my plan it's his plan for whom he did foreknow he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren moreover whom he did predestinate them he also called and whom he called them he also justified and whom he justified he also glorified what shall we say to these things then brethren if God before us who can be against us What does that mean? (laughs) I'm beside the still waters, and God is with me. Who can be against me? I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, for God is with me. And if he is with me, then who shall be against me? It's because I'm walking in the destiny of the Lord. The calling and the purpose of God. Hallelujah! Can I suggest to you today that the bad often contributes more to the molding and shaping of you, for us, than the good does? Hallelujah! And the bad may seem like it is causing you to full, be pulled away from the path you feel like you need to be on but sometimes god has to pull us away in order to mold us and shape us so that he can put us back on the path so that we can keep walking forward the way he designed us and wanted us to be you see because here's the thing unless we let it if we don't we decide in our hearts we're not going to let it god will turn all of the bad for good Eventually. That's the case. That's the fact. Eventually the coin's going to flip over, and eventually the bad is going to develop into good. And I don't know what that looks like. I'm not trying to claim the good is you being a millionaire or you having a large family or anything like that. But I'm saying the good is whatever his plan and destiny for your life is. That is the good. And if I can be content and say, God, wherever you want me to be in 20 years, then I am content. But here's the thing, and I'm almost done. I know it's dying down. But here's the thing. We can't let the bad become our identity. Hallelujah. We can get to a point where the bad becomes, we become engulfed by it. And it absolutely controls our entire life. Can I preach to you for just one more moment? Joseph did not let the bad control his life, but Joseph was successful in the valley of the shadow of death. In the pit, Joseph was successful as the slave to Potiphar. The Bible says that he was so blessed and God prospered all of his ways that Potiphar put him as number two in his whole household. A slave. Serving as number two of the whole house. Why? Because even in the bad, I can be successful and I can do what is right. Even in jail, Joseph was used by God to prophesy and interpret James. I don't know where you are at in your spiritual walk with God. I don't know if you're in the middle of a valley, but let me reassure you, in the valley, you're still gifted. In the valley, you're still called. In the valley, you You're still anointed in the valley. You can still prophesy in the valley. You can still interpret in the valley. God can use you to heal in the valley. God can use you to perform miracles. And this has been important. You ready for this? Don't lose this. It was Joseph's willingness to not let the prison cell define him and still allow God to use him, which ultimately led to him getting out of the prison cell. (laughs) The baker, in three days, you're going to be hung. The cupbearer, In three days, you're going to be restored next to Pharaoh. But don't forget me when you come before Pharaoh. (laughs) And hallelujah, he did forget him. For two years he forgot Joseph cell Hallelujah. But when the time was right and Pharaoh had a dream, the wine, the, the cup holder, he said, wait a minute, I remember a man who was in prison, but he wasn't part of the prison. I remember a man who was in darkness, but he shone a light. I remember a man who was down in the dirt, but he was anointed and he was powerful and he prophesied and he interpreted the dream if we could get this man out of the valley of the death, shadow of death and bring him here he could be used by God it was how Joseph acted in the valley that ended up being his salvation Hallelujah! if we could stand today I know I've given you a lot to think about, but I've got one more final point. And as soon as I read this in the Scripture, God spoke to me immediately and said, this is the final point you need to make. Brothers of Joseph were so afraid. They were so afraid of what Joseph was going to do. How Joseph was going to respond What Joseph was going to say, Joseph had the power to kill his brothers like this. That's how much power he had in Egypt once Pharaoh made him second in Egypt. He had the power to take them out very easily. But this is what Joseph said. He said in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 19, Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? This is what I felt God stirring in my heart. There's been people in your past that have negatively contributed to that coin of destiny in your life people that you've not found the room in your heart to forgive for the things that they have done to you. And I'm not here to stand to try to defend their actions or their words in any way. But here's what I believe God has told me to tell you. If you're currently in the place that God has called you to. How can we not forgive them that contributed to us getting here right now? How can we continue to hate those who maybe were used in a very bad, negative sense in our path of destiny? How can we continue to hate For am I not in the place of God? Are you not exactly where God wants you to be today, right now? Do you not feel the Holy Ghost inside your heart and the Spirit of God drawing you? Everything up until now, the good and the bad, has contributed to this moment and you being here in the presence of God. So how can we continue to hate? And how can we continue to have bitterness? How can we continue to hold unforgiveness when you're in the place right where you belong? I want to call on some people today to come down to this altar where you know this last portion it was talking to you. And there's some people in your life, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's your father, maybe it's your mother, maybe it's your brother, or your sister, maybe it's a coworker that you're still holding hard feelings against because of something they said or something they did. Let me tell you what they did was meant for evil, but God turned it to good. And now God says, forgive them. (laughs) If If you're part of that crowd, I want to invite you down to the altar. If you know you've got a destiny in the Lord, and you know that you've got a calling from God, I want to invite you down to this altar to come and talk to God for a while. In fact, we just invite everybody, every service, we invite everybody to come down to the altar